Content presented on the following podcast is for information purposes only. The views and opinion expressed from host and caregivers are solely given based on the experiences of the individuals involved. Because each person is so unique, always consult your physician, physical or occupational therapist, or medical and fitness advice. Are you struggling to help your aging parents or disabled spouse to do everyday personal care tasks? Are you concerned about them falling or you injuring yourself? What is the task that is so difficult for you to help them to do? You are not alone. We can help. Finding a Foothold is a weekly podcast show that invites you to call in and tell us your challenge. Here, you can receive practical tips and strategies from an occupational therapist. And here is your host, Consuela Marshall. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Finding the Foothold. And look, this is the place where you can go to get answers on how to do the caregiving. You're already working it hard and you already have the heart to do it. But sometimes we just need to know those ins and outs of how to do it well. Because when we can do caregiving well, it frees us up to do those other things in our life that are also pressing in our life. So here as an occupational therapist and as a former caregiver to my mom for several years, my mom lived in my home with my family, my children, and it wasn't always easy. There were many challenging times. There was a lot of frustrations. There was a lot of uncertainties as I was trying to figure out how to continue to live my life while also caring for my mom. There were so many struggles that I had that I'm seeing those same struggles being called into the call-in line. And and listen to your stories. It has surfaced in me those same concerns, those same struggles that I had. And I want to share some answers with you, some insight into how I was able to move through those challenges by using my skills as an occupational therapist and just the things that I had to learn from just the school of hard knocks of just getting in there and adding to the knowledge that I have from the school base with the things that I I wasn't prepared for. The things that you don't get from the books, the things that go with the physical aspects of caregiving, those emotional struggles that go along with the caregiving and just how the impact of the caregiving has on your day-to-day life as you're trying to continue to live your life, trying to raise your family, trying to live your life and how they impact your life. So today I'm going to share a call to you from Diane. And in Diane's story and in many of the questions that have been called into the call-in line, look, they're only mirroring the same questions that I had as a caregiver. And some of the solutions that I'm going to offer to Diane are going to be some of the solutions that I offer in the homes of many of the clients that I treat, many of the patients that, that, that I see in their home, that I have the privilege of getting to know and getting the, the, the privilege to help make their lives easier. And I'm now wanting to share those in a more wider platform by making that these options available to you out there through this social media platform. So I'm going to start by sharing Diane's story. And Diane, when you called in, I just felt like you were mean when I started caring for my mom. And look, this is Diane's story. Diane said, I knew it was coming. 
I knew, you know, my dad was getting older and I knew I was the only one in this area in, in town that would be available to take care of him. I knew it was coming, but I just pushed it away. You know, I, I would go over and help him from time to time, but he would often refuse. But I saw that he was struggling. And then the day came when he had a stroke. And then it was just like the, the whole rug was pulled from under me. And now I'm left trying to figure out how to do this. We've gone through a little therapy at home. Things are better, but I need to return to work. Dad is better. He can do many things by himself, but he just can't pull it all together. He still needs me to come by and make sure he's doing things in the morning, that he's taking his medicine, and he's doing pretty good. He's getting stronger, but I cannot see that he can be by himself totally. And I'm just wondering how do I do it? Okay. That was Diane's call. And as I'm listening to that call, Diane, I'm like, oh, that was so me years ago. You know, my mom had, I have six sisters. I mean, there were many of us, but, and I was, and I'm really, I'm living in the same state as my mom, but not the same city. I'm three hours away from her and she was living uh, near three other sisters and they were doing their share of taking care of mom, but I knew that they were limited. And I, you know, I had the calls on the how to's because I'm the one who's a therapist and they knew that I could help with some questions, but that day to day in there and overseeing my mom's care, they were doing it for years. But when my mom had a second stroke, things were never the same. Um, she fought us and she won for a while of going back home, but there were just numerous falls. My sisters were over there helping with filling medication containers, helping with meals, helping with just the day-to-day -day of things. But my mom was walking, not well, and she refused to use the, the walker. Uh, she refused to move things around in her home that would make just using the walker more efficient. She was receptive to putting some grab bars in. So we did a lot of things. I was able to go in and help set up some things, but my mom was very, just not receptive to a lot in the beginning. And as a result, things did not go well. And with just some ongoing health problems, it just became apparent that she couldn't be there by herself anymore. So with you, Diane, I, I just can really identify with many of the things that my sisters had to struggle with as they were trying to care for my mom in the city that they were living in. But the day came and I knew it, Diane, I knew the writing was, it was just on the wall that it would be me. That when my mom was no longer able to be in her own home alone, that it would be me. And I welcomed it. You know, in the back of my mind, I always left space in the back of my mind in in whatever house we, as we moved and as we built houses and as we were making plans. Look, so let me just step back a little bit to just say my house was always accessible because I have a daughter in a wheelchair. And it just always, and as being a therapist, and look, I'll share that story with you one day about how I became a therapist, but it had to a lot, it had to do with the fact that my daughter was receiving therapy. But just stay into this story. Every house that we either bought or built, I knew in my mind that as I was, we were making plans to move that, oh, this will be the room that my mom would have one day. So I always knew it was happened, it would happen, but I never really emotionally planned for it. 
So it, it just really became a very big adjustment for her and for me when that time came. So with Diane, that not being your part of the story today, but I'm going to tell you, I, I, I can feel where you're at right now is how do I do this? Because for me, it would be, how do I, how do I continue to work? Cause I never saw that part. All I saw was the room. It was going to be set up the bathroom and the walk-in shower and all of those things were going to be in place for her. But I never flipped the page to see who would be there with her while I was still doing life. I was still doing other aspects of being a wife of a mother. And at the time, uh, the boys were in the fourth and the fifth grade and things were moving quickly. And I never saw that part. So I'll share that later. But for this episode, Diane, I love where you're at right now in thinking, how can I still at this stage? And this is where my mom was when she was in her home, is that you make it as safe for him as possible. As we, as my sisters attempted to make it as safe for my mom as possible. And my mom was receptive to a lot. She, like I mentioned before, she did allow for some changes to go, you know, take place in the bathroom. She was receptive to certain things, but she pushed back on so many other things. She didn't want to look at other options of trying to make the kitchen safer, trying to make the house walker accessible. And those were some of the things that resulted in other falls and a further decline in health. And ultimately it just shortened her ability to live there by herself and to live there with the support that she was having. So for you, Diane, I want to encourage you to talk to dad, see his needs, look at the needs he's having set up things for him. So I want you to start with looking at number one is getting in and out of bed. If you can't get in and out of bed, you're sort of stuck. And if you're stuck during the day, you're going to be not mobile. And if you're not mobile, you're going to get weaker and you're not going to be able to make things happen. So if your dad has a bed and he can get in and out of bed, that's where you start. If walking's not safe, then he doesn't need to walk when you're not there. And that requires some level of obedience and some level of cognition where he can say, when my daughter is not home, I'm only going to roll in the wheelchair and sort of function at a, on a wheelchair level until she gets home or somebody who can come in with me during the day and help out with some mobility tasks. I mean, there's just other, there's just a lot of things that need to be added to that, but the main things are getting in and out of bed and toileting. I mean, food you have to eat, but food can be brought to you. I mean, just with the conveniences of a microwave at the bedside and getting a little dorm side refrigerator at the bedside, all of those things can happen. So if you can get there in the morning, you can assist with cleanup in the morning, assist with dressing and just sort of unpeeling his day about what do I do along the way to make sure he is out of bed. He has a way to get from point A to point B. And if point B is into the bathroom, onto a toilet, or is point B onto a bedside commode next to the bed. And then you find out what are his interests. What are going to be the things he's going to gravitate toward doing when you're not there? And you don't 
take all of those off his list. You make those things accessible to him because you want him to have pleasures in life. You want him to have those things that he can safely do and look forward to doing. So Diane, I mean, there's a lot more we can unpeel with this and that we can go into more detail about, but number one is just making sure he's safe. Making sure he is functional with basic transfers and toileting. If he can get in and out of bed safely, if he can take care of his toileting needs, if he can access food, if you can have someone that can come over every morning if it's not you, somebody who would be willing to just say, I'll go over an hour a day and help dad. And then you come over in the afternoon and make sure dad's safe. You know, you're already saying he can do reasonably well, but you know, those getting up and getting back to bed, those first starts up, ups of the day and winding down at the end of the day are those busy parts of the day that really need a little bit more oversight. So if you're finding someone who can come in in the morning and help out with that, or you, or vice versa, you're doing it on the end of the day. I mean, that definitely helps. Just look, if you need more details on how to set things up, how to get things functioning for your dad, I've got plenty of tips that can help along the way. But look, Diane, if you can set things up now to keep dad safe, keep him as independent as possible, it slows the progression of you needing to do more. So look, thanks for the call. I'll be glad to work with you more one-on-one. And look, other listeners out there, if you can identify with this story, you're just one in 40 million that can identify with it, uh, me included, that that's, that's the world of caregiving. And it, it can get easier, but it comes with proper planning. And it, it comes with you being proactive in eliminating falls, eliminating sedentary behavior and you allowing your loved one to be as independent as possible and last and not least and you maintaining your self-care you finding things that that you staying involved in the things that are important to you and making sure that you have a balanced life and that realizing that you can only do what you're able to only do. So continue to reach out, continue to call in with your questions, and I'll be more than happy to assist you in any way. And again, if you have a unique situation, one like Diane, we can also come up with a detailed plan that will entail your desires, the desires of your loved one. We get a chance to look at your surrounding, looking at your environment, making recommendations, and just looking at how to make caregiving easier. So thanks for tuning again this week to another episode of Finding a Foothold. I look forward to being here again with you on next week. Take care and remember, Finding a Foothold cares about how you give care. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Finding a Foothold. I am so glad that you tuned in today. And I invite you to subscribe to our podcast. And also, I would like for you to leave a review of this podcast so that others can find our podcast and also join in this wonderful caregiving community. And if you have a question that you'd like to ask, 
I invite you to visit our website at findingafoothold.com and using the call-in button and leaving your question. And I also invite you to take advantage of our free 15-minute consult session where we get to discuss in more detail your caregiving challenge. You can find this podcast on all of the major podcast streaming sites. I invite you to follow us on Instagram. And I thank you for tuning in this week. Have a good week.